Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. You know what there is too much of, Will? <laughs> Hair on your upper lip. Are we talking about hair? that first? Should we just What's get to the fact this? that you're, you've, got the, you've got a mustache? What's I've going always, on? I always have a mustache. Well, but, you know, you normally have like a mustache that's accompanied by some other facial hair. Well, Whereas there is some other moment, facial hair. It's just yeah, I mean only a small this. amount though. You've got like a a George Michael style five o'clock shadow going on for the rest of your face. And then you've got like a George Michael in the video clip for outside style mustache (laughs) (laughs) that you're rocking on the top lip. I'm sensing you don't like my mustache. What's going on? Oh, I'm not saying I don't like it. Well, you're suspicious. You don't trust it. I'm suspicious of it. (laughs) I'm like, you're a cop. You're an undercover cop. It reminds me of that time that we were in a Byron Bay nightclub about 20 years ago and nobody would talk to us because they thought you were an undercover cop because (laughs) they recognized your face from Blue Healers and they were like, who's this narc? It's giving me those vibes. I don't know why I'm suspicious of you, but I feel like I, I am. Yes, it's made me suspicious of, like if you had that mustache, when you had that encounter with that woman who either did have a uh, sister or pretended to have a sister <laughs> to, yeah. either to throw you off, this mustache, I would have believed that she pretended to have a sister. I would have been like, okay, she's spotted you with that mustache. She's gone, I don't trust this guy. I'm not sure why, but I'm just getting a weird feeling from that bit of hair in the middle of his face and I'm going <laughs> to make up a cover story. Not even like an ironic like hipster kind of – I don't get away nah. with it like an ironic hipster way. Well, it looks nah. legit like I – that I, I genuinely think I'm Clark Gable. You it definitely has that era about it. It's definitely got that old school, you know, black and white, you know, movie star kind of look about Matinee it. You know? Idol. Or you're an Australian cricketer touring the subcontinent. <laughs> I'm okay with both of those. It is interesting though, like as someone who does like to uh, uh, experiment with uh, facial hair, it's only minor. The reason why you are having such a revulsion <laughs> – <laughs> to this I am too. I can't take my eyes because off because I, I I'm telling you, like I've had this mustache. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's a bit shaded and a bit more grass around mm. here. But the only difference is, it normally it grows bushier, like yeah. more Lee Matthews. And I just, I just, I, I, I tapered it in with mm. a styling. You know, I don't like it. Remington. It feels culturally inappropriate. It looks like you're trying to fashion a boomerang. That's what it looks like. It's very boomerang shaped. And I don't feel like as a white Australian man, you have the cultural right to wear a boomerang in the middle of your face. It's funny. Like this only happened in the last 24 hours Mm. um, that I shaved this. And both you and Gemma have had a similar Mm. 
reaction. It's too, I f- it's too rounded off at the edge. It feels like safety bowling. That's what it is. <laughs> I've gone 10-pin bowling and somebody's put the inflatable guards in the lanes. That's what your mustache reminds me of. Too manicured is what yes. you're saying. It's like it's not masculine, like, you know, like I just let my mustache grow. You know, no David Boone yeah. about this. It looks this intentional. Is- it's, yeah. it's got a very intentional look about it as opposed to, I guess, I'm used to your facial hair looking Being more like- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more like it's just grown on your face okay. and you've vaguely shaped it, whereas this one really looks like you've gone out on a limb to make a statement. But if I'd established a persona that was a bit more like I'm a David yeah. Bowie, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, what do you uh, call it? Like a- um, like a not a chameleon, but someone who's kind of like a fancy, a, a dandy. Like I'm a bit of a dandy, a modern day oh, dandy. Okay. Like I like my, I'm into my clothes. I wear, sometimes I wear a pocket watch. You know, I, I sort of, I'm on eBay and I'm buying like kind of vintage suits all the time. I listen yeah. to records on vinyl and stuff. Like that's my kind of thing rather than the schlub, the sleeveless kind of schlub always in like exercise gear <laughs> that I am. Do you think I get, is it just the fact that like you would accept this being on say, Oh, like I don't know who's like a like a um, who's a stylish kind of hipster around about my age, like a musician or someone like that. Like, um, like the lead singer um, of the Killers, right? Doesn't he have a mustache okay. like this? Brandon Flowers is that Brandon what his name is? Flowers, yep, yep. Yeah, so, let's go yeah, with that. if Brandon Flowers was rocking that moustache, I'd be like, absolutely, 100% that looks exactly like the lead singer of The Killers would wear that moustache. Like he's wearing some yeah. sort of, if you George know. If George Clooney grew a moustache oh, like yes. Yeah, he can get away with it. Of course so he can. People with Living class in a and villa style on some sort of like <laughs> lake in Italy, you can absolutely ruck that moustache. But yes, I think it is that it is incongruous to the rest of your presentation. I think that that's what it is. It feels <laughs> like it feels like you've not earned that moustache. Like that, you need to go out and buy some vinyl and get yourself a pocket watch before. Like it feels like it's you've hipster cultural appropriated that right, mustache. I, I think, it. yeah, it almost, yeah, it feels like I, I, I'm mocking, I'm mocking mm. like hipster culture because it's like, yeah, I'll grow the mustache and maybe give myself a bit of a quiff, but everything else is 100% slob. Yeah, you're not living the lifestyle. You're a tourist. You're but, just visiting. But hipsters must come home and throw on like you know tracky dacks and a comfortable t-shirt when they're done hipstering. Well, maybe not though. Maybe they have some skinny tracky pants, you know, and then they have like some, you know, old band T-shirt that is like, you know, hipster commentary on modern life and the fact that relaxing at home. I mean, there might still be some hipster ironic take on homeware, right? Are you suggesting that you think that hipsters are just normal slobs like the rest of us at home? And yes, then they then they only go clothes. out into the world. You're like, I better better get dressed as a hipster. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the rest uniform. of the time. They're just like normal like the rest of us. Yeah, I think I think there's a certain um a segment of like hipsters or like rockabillies or whatever who live, you know, live the lifestyle 24-7. But fucking occasionally you just need to put on some target tracksuit pants and like, you know, a ten dollar t shirt. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I just think it is exactly what you've said. It feels if, a bit too rounded, you know, and it feels a bit too like it's making it all about itself. Like normally when you have a mustache, it feels like it's part of a collaboration with the rest of your face. Whereas it feels like this mustache right. has gone solo. Yeah, like, you it's know, the Justin if, Timberlake of my face. Yes, if your facial hair was a boy band, <laughs> I liked your mustache as part of the boy band. But now that it's a solo artist and it's had a bit of a glow up, I just All don't. Right. It doesn't fit in anymore. 
Okay, so if the moustache is the JT, then which one's the Joey Fatone? The nose, right? That's the one that's like, geez, all right, we will forgive this for the rest of this. No, I think that it's your ears because they're covered oh. up by your headphones. <laughs> Does that the ears count as face, them, though? They've made no them one is. No, no one, are you saying the ears aren't part of your face? I don't think so. Like if someone said, describe him. You would say dark eyebrows, you know, hazel yeah. eyes, round nose, mustache. I wouldn't say two small ears. <laughs> I would definitely Even add though, the ears as that, part of a facial would... description. Whenever you ever see only if they're like, notably a, a court sketch, for example, about somebody who's like you know when you like a crime's been committed and somebody you know tells the sketch artist what the person looks like. They don't give them a potato head. They put like ears on them. I don't think you would describe ears. Like I never take note um, unless someone has like what. Prince so you're Charles saying the sketch ears. artist out of the police station is just banging in whatever standard ears that he yeah. normally puts there. It, yeah, I reckon he's got his generic ears because one of the things that well, would, if you were trying to describe me, one of the things that would be best to describe is that I have ears that join at the bottom rather than go up. Like that is a very identifiable feature that, like a fingerprint, that you'd be able to go. That is definitely that person. I mean, you've told me about your ears and I'd forgotten. That's how little it means to me or how much I noticed what your ears do or anyone's ears. Like if you did so a – So where do you think the, the if you face did a blind, finishes? Do you think the what? face finishes just before the ear? Like at the sideburn. Do you consider the, the yeah. sideburn and the edge of the jaw to be the your cheek. face? Anything, but anything behind the mouth is no longer your face, behind the jaw. That's okay. all face. I ask like you this Hannibal question. Hannibal Lecter, then. when he cut off that yeah. dude's face, didn't make sure he cut around the Good. ears. I'm, like glad that, went, I'm glad that you have gone to um, the world of movies because I, you've entered into evidence Hannibal Lecter as your character witness. <laughs> I'm going to enter in the cast of the hit movie Face Off. When oh, they yes. took the face off in Face Off, <laughs> they just whacked the front of the face on. Like Caster Troy, he had his Caster Troy's ears, or otherwise he would be very identifiable as going, they're not your ears. What's going on? There's something really different with your ears. I don't think I would notice ears. Like if you swap faces with like, I don't know. like Take animals. your headphones off. <laughs> that just would put, be put, take your headphone off for a second. Just like pull one out so I can see your ears at the moment. Right. Yeah. So your ears barely stick out. They're quite small. Um, if you put, if I put your face, if we had a toe fop face off situation, toe face off <laughs> for, for one of the live shows, we managed to get our hands on the face off technology. And we that thought, would be awesome. This would be great. Right. <laughs> But we have to keep like the the the, the, the contrivance of face off that never works yeah. is like oh we make their bodies look the same as well yeah. for us it's just the faces so it's my yeah. face stretched over your giant six foot three <laughs> body and it's your like loose skinned six foot three face hanging over my five ten frame I mean, so it's like my the, skin's the ears are actually the ears are pinned together at the back just yeah. to hold my face on you just and tie like, your ears behind my skull I'm like I'm Charlie I'm really fit limp 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 <laughs> Shuffling onto stage. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I reckon if you'd showed me, like, you know, uh, the people who are closest in my life, like you, you, uh, leave Ian around it because the sides yeah. would be a giveaway. But, like, Gemma, you, people that I speak to all the time, if I had to do, like, a, a lineup of the ears, I think I would struggle. with there, Just say there was, like, three dudes and three girls that I had to pick off, like three male, three female. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'd pay enough attention to ears to be able to – 
outlined. Well, okay, but if I, say we did outlines of faces instead of mm. like just having the ear there, and you have to identify the people by. So I their can ears. just move the ear in on each face. I can bring across your face. Yeah, okay. Then that would probably it would help. You'd be like, yeah. that looks right. That fits, right? I think that you uh, need- if there's any, we we have some cops who listen mm. to this show. I wonder if they could put us in touch with like a courtroom artist or a sketch artist. Not a courtroom artist. I've had that. But a sketch artist, and we can ask them, like, you know, what are you really trying to get detail on? Eyes, jaw, nose, and then where do ears rank in that? Like, have you ever been, have you ever lost, have they ever, like, you know, given up on a lead on a suspect because you couldn't get the ears right? I bet that ears are important. I mean, particularly in the criminal world, you'd imagine there's a lot of distinctive ears. We're talking, like, I mean, yeah, Chopper. If it's Dick Tracy and it's like Jughead, you know, and no, I'm thinking, ears and Like, you know, Chopper Reed, obviously, most famously, you know, yeah. cut off his ears. But, like, in that criminal world, like a lot of ex boxers, people who've been in fights, been in scraps, you're talking about, like, cauliflower ears, you're talking about the idea that somebody might be missing part of their ear, but also piercings. Piercings are hugely identifiable, I would have thought. So if somebody's got like three earrings in their left ear and like there's an earring in the top, like, I mean, immediately to me, that is more identifiable than a set of generic eyes. Surely. I'm just going to, I'm just going to Google like, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Um, police ID sketches. Just, I'm going to bring some up and see. This is sketches used by the okay. police in the USSR to identify suspects based on their race. So it's kind okay. of not the most racist <laughs> stereotypes, but leaning into the racist it's stereotypes. Pretty racist. So the, the top, no, but they're not the exaggerating. Russian, Ukrainian, Jew, Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> feels, feels a little racist. The gypsy looks like the dude from The Last of Us, that um, Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, it does actually. Very handsome gypsy. Okay, I've got to be honest. So. With you. All right, they've listed Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians, Lithuanians, Georgians, etc. So people all from around the uh, USSR. This is from mm -hmm. the 60s, this sketch. And I would say that the ears play a significant part yes. in the identity of all these people. Yeah, they all have different ears, don't they? Well, no one is mistaking me as coming from the USSR because none of these guys <laughs> have small ears. They're all very healthy well, like endowed ears. Can you have well endowed ears? Yeah, I believe that you can have well endowed ears. And you're right. They're, they're big eared people. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I take that back. Uh -huh. Obviously, ears play a huge part. I guess maybe it's because I never notice my ears when I look in the mirror. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just assume that no one else pays any attention. I think it's also because as we're doing this podcast, uh, what happens on the screen is that you know, I have a big picture of you, but there's a smaller picture of me, like, you know, next to mm. it. And it's probably the same with you. And you're wearing headphones that cover both your ears. So mm. I think you've got a little bit of the, you know, the toddler who puts their hand over their eyes and thinks they're invisible. I think because <laughs> you can't see your ears right now, you don't think they play a major part in your face. Well, it's only to when people discover I've got small ears, it's always like, uh, oh, you do. Like they, no one, I don't think I've ever had anyone or maybe one or two people sort of just like pick it as themselves. Normally they're prompted by Gemma or, or someone trying to give me shit that I've got very small ears. So I just assume like if it was a more prominent feature, then people would be like, ah, like I'd have more of a nickname about it. They'd call me Minty or something like that. I mean, yeah, but I'm not even sure that like it, it looks like a Minty, your head. It doesn't really <laughs> look like a Minty unless the Minty has been incorrectly <laughs> packed. Because with the Minty – 
the twirly bits are at the like it'd, it'd be like on the top of your head and down the bottom right. of your chin if your head looked yeah, like yeah. a minty. Like this is like very much a minty that's been in the car and sort of melted into a different shape. Well, what do you call? So if like Big Ears is like Jughead, you'd call someone like Jughead or something like that. That's the common nickname for someone right. like Four Eyes, Big Ears. So and what's that's because small it, it's a handle essentially. So what has a small yeah. handle? You're like teacup. Teapot? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, they only, but you need one of those ones that has the yeah. two handles, like when you're at a Chinese restaurant or something and you're sipping soup and stuff. What are they called? <laughs> Bowlhead, bowlhead, <laughs> not the most imaginative uh, no. slander. Um, well, it's didn't start off a tradition, but it's quickly become one of our most beloved uh, traditions on this show is to review a best of time travel movie list. Oh, and yeah, great. a lot of people sent this in last week. This is from The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know The Guardian, the one that passively, aggressively asks you if you're going to start supporting them <laughs> when you go visit them. You know what I love about that is? Is the fact that it passively, aggressively asks, but at the same time it's like, yeah, but we're cool if you don't. Yeah. Like we need to point out we're cool people and it's cool if you don't support us. We do want to just point out that you've read 165 articles in the last two days. <laughs> but if you don't want to support us, that's still cool because we're still cool. But like heaps of other people are supporting us and you – Look, we're keeping track of how much you're fucking reading on our site and you're not supporting us. Anyway, we're cool. We're cool. You can keep we're reading cool, it. Cool. It is absolutely fine. This is not saying that you can't read it, but also give us some fucking money. You're here all the time. So these lists, um, they, uh, they've, in, in the past we've read them, they've ranged from the absolutely like deranged. Um, others are, are used as sort of platforms for, you know, comedy. Um, this one, I believe, is sort of more in the comedic sort of realm. Like okay. it's a, I, I, it's by a, a journalist called Stuart Heritage, who I believe is an English writer. Okay. Um, I just had a quick scan to some of his other. He's a pop culture writer, right. the Guardian in the UK. And and, and this so, is a list, right? So this is technically a heritage list. Do you think he's just right. got into this business of lists just because his last name is Heritage and he thought <laughs> yeah. it was good branding? It's like, yeah, it's like a bookman working at a library. <laughs> uh, so, you know, previous headlines, uh, A Mask of Unadorned Misery, How Ben Affleck Became the World's Biggest Meme, or Anti-Woke Nightmare, Why the Faulty Tales Remake is Truly a Nauseating Idea. So this is yeah. kind of the – this is the, You know what I love about Stuart Heritage's work? Is I have read both of those previous articles. Oh, I really oh, so should start. Might... I should start supporting the Guardian. Yeah, you really <laughs> I haven't should. read this one, but I've definitely read those other two. All right. Well, so give me a, a, what's the sense of how is he writing a humorous kind of pop culture? Yeah, style? It's, uh, what's like, pop culture with a tongue in cheek, but not necessarily okay. comedy. Like just more, like you know, in that pop culture world, and writes with the sensibility of that world. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he starts off as Adam Driver accidentally winds up 65 million years ago facing not just dinosaurs, but an asteroid. Is that really what that plot of that movie is about? Well, from the trailer, it seems to be that that's what I haven't the seen plot the of that trailer. movie is about. So it, he okay. arrives on Earth the day an asteroid's coming to wipe out the dinosaurs. Oh, not the day. Oh. I think that like oh. from, well, again, from the trailer, you get the impression that it's towards the end of the dinosaurs, right? So right. if there is an asteroid, then I guess- that's you know they're saying you know that people think that it was an asteroid that killed the dinosaurs and so but we um, know we, we all know it was vaccines yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> with multiple boosters gave them autism and then killed them <laughs> haven't you seen those tiktok videos of all those trembling dinosaurs <laughs> 
Oh, mate. I sh- can't even reach my food. It's because you're a T-Rex. Your arms aren't long enough. It's nothing to do with the vaccine. The vaccine's I, actually protected you. I was looking at these cave drawings by Ud Rogan and uh, <laughs> just got a lot of interesting ideas, you know. Um, so he arrives, yeah. He's a from future. Jamie, chisel that shit. <laughs> it is either a person from another universe who, you know, space traveler, or it is right. a human being, you know, who is so advanced technologically that, you know, human beings are not he what we imagine time. human beings are and he can travel through time. It's got that vibe from the trailer, which I've watched a couple of times of a bit Planet of the Apesy where, you know, hey, I think I'm on a different planet, but it turns out I've gone back, you know, 65 million years and I've actually landed on Earth and it's the time of the dinosaurs. So he's there. There's some young girl in it as well. And right, and they're like running from dinosaurs and having to fight dinosaurs. And then I guess, yeah, the asteroid might be part of that plot line. I've got to be honest with you. For something that looks like one of the dumbest ideas of all time, every time I've watched a trailer for it, I've thought, I'm definitely going to watch that movie. Like, <laughs> it actually looks much more interesting to me than any of the Jurassic Park films. Like if I, if I was going to watch something with dinosaurs, this feels more like my jam. Well, Iona is way into dinosaurs, like most little kids. Um, um, volcanoes, especially. Actually, we bought, you know, one of those um, yeah, science project. You build your own volcano mm-hmm. and you fill it with baking soda. We did that. Managed to kill half my lawn. <laughs> Turns out vinegar, <laughs> vinegar and baking soda on your lawn will kill the grass right down to the roots. Um, but I've been thinking about like because there is this thing about dinosaurs where kids love them, but uh, you know they're virtually monsters like you know there's sort of this fine line so you want to kind of give them enough to kind of satiate but not give them nightmares so i've been trying she wants to watch videos on dinosaurs and it's always like the more realistic like the you know the special effects are when they're doing those docos or whatever at dinosaurs the more terrifying they are it's almost like it's better to watch the really dinky you know 15 year old cgi dinosaurs oh yeah no you want them to be rounded off and purple you know you like my mustache Yeah, no sharp edges, either yeah. on your face or in your dinosaur documentaries. Okay, so let's get into Stuart's list. Twenty uh, films. We're going to try and whip through these. Well, no, we're not. We're going to we're going to time them perfectly to get to one hour. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to thirty-eight minutes of us whipping through these. <laughs> okay, so the first one. Um, do you want to take a punt? I'll give you a clue. Uh, action, time travel, action, time travel, Looper. No, more nineties. In fact, the last line Terminator. of his par- par- paragraph is: "It's the most nineties film ever made." So oh, okay. The extrapolate from that. So 90s. I would say this would fall more into B category. I mean, mainstream, big star at the time, uh-huh. mainstream studio release, but definitely B elements. In fact, may have inspired a certain Tofop character that has been spun off. Oh, um, okay. So Quantum Cop. Um, yeah, and it's like a B movie time travel yeah. movie. You've, I mean, my clue is you've mentioned you've you've used the word. There's two words in the name of the movie, and you've used both of them in the last <laughs> time cop. Time cop. Regardless of what anyone says, I believe in my heart that Time Cop was greenlit because someone showed a studio executive a picture of Jean-Claude Van Damme and said the word Time Cop out loud, at which point they had to throw a script together as quickly as possible. Nothing about Time Cop makes sense. It's the most 90s film ever made. Uh, I've seen this a long time ago. I can barely remember it. But I think 
It's like Ron Silver plays a bad guy. He goes back in time to like kill Lincoln again or earlier or something like that. <laughs> you know, maybe just shoot some slugs in or once he's already dead, doesn't make any sense. And um, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, is time cop and he's got to chase him through time and, and does the splits in his apartment when someone tries to shoot him. He jumps up onto his kitchen bench and does the splits. I feel like I've seen that image, but I'm not sure that I've ever actually seen the movie Time Cop. I mean, I look, maybe I haven't seen Time Cop either, but I feel like I have. Maybe it's just having written five issues of I mean, Quantum I, Cop. I I've feel got like to I be honest with it. you, after you describing that, I feel like I've seen Time Cop. I feel like <laughs> I could just make up the rest in my head, but I'm not sure I've actually ever watched it. Okay. Uh, next film, number 19. Um, I wouldn't want to get this one back to front when I'm reading the description. <laughs> oh, when you're reading the description. So you don't want to get it back to front because you're reading the description. I, to, I wouldn't. I wouldn't read his review. Start at the end and then go back to the start. Me, memento? <laughs> no. Um, but the other one. The other one. <laughs> oh, Tenet. Tenet. Okay. Um, he says I have to be careful here because Tenet might not be a time travel movie. Certainly, time passes in it, and some of the people are going backwards in time. That's a good point. Does that count yeah. as time travel? I mean, they travel backwards in time. Like, so isn't that time travel in the very – I mean, I know – Yeah, you, I mean, in the very basic. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're defying – in terms of the sci-fi, you are defying physics by being able to move backwards. You can move backwards and forwards in time at the same time, right? And yeah, we okay. – like, for us, moving forwards in time, we don't consider time travel, although technically I guess it is. Um you know, if you move backwards at the same time, we we consider time travel to be you've got to jump, I guess, don't we? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, look, I I, I widen I widen the uh, the definition because I think the sci-fi element of moving backwards through time because it's in its nature impossible that to me qualifies as a time travel film. Like, I don't think you can say Boyhood is a time travel film, even though we see a boy jump through time, like forwards, because that is the natural flow of time, at least the way we perceive it. But if a character can actively move backwards, then I think that counts as time travel. And yet Boyhood technically absolutely is a time travel movie in the sense that, yes, it was filmed in real time, but we don't see the entire filming in in real time. We actually get to see people jump through time, travel through time, like get older and experience different eras. Um, but In a yeah, short space of time, yeah. But I do think that Tenet, yeah, they're, well, they're fucking with time and yeah. they're travelling. So that's yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, a film that I have not heard of, therefore you have not heard okay. of, from 1985. Give me a clue of the name and see if I can guess it. Just Okay. Um, Ugg Rogan's if, – uh, if, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, all right, could, good. Could, could, could potentially be Ugg Rogan's partner. Um, uh, something woman, something girl, something yep. wife. Correct, girl. 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 Um, Ugg Rogan, cave. Cave girl. <laughs> cave girl. Fuck, you're good at this shit. No. What game show can we put you on where you just guess Where you, you have to come clues? in. <laughs> you come in and give me weird, obscure clues <laughs> and I see if I can work it out based on that. Do you think that's a game show we could take to like a streaming service? It's just like there's no yeah. contestants. Every week it's just me it's, and you and I, yeah, I give you just, the most terrible clues and you have to guess And the I answer. see if I can work it out. That's the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Time Cop. We've got two pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Cave Girl, 
A finally film that uses time travel for the correct reason, to allow a horny 1980s school student to go back to prehistory so he can convince a smoking hot bikini-wearing cave girl to have it off with him. Oh. You will note I've ranked this <laughs> this this film above Tenet. Oh, <laughs> That's no. pretty funny. Um, I, can you imagine anything? That, that would be gross. Let's go back to a time before soap, before hygiene, you know, where people are fighting tooth and nail just to survive and have sex with someone. That but sounds also, terrible. it's- I mean, we've advanced so much intellectually in that time that to me that's yeah. like having Beast- bestiality. Yeah, exactly. It's like having sex with like a you know, a person who's not like capable of like consenting to that situation. Like it's that's gross. Yeah, that feels that feels <laughs> weird. Let's go back and use my modern wiles that aren't working like in the society that I'm in. But if I think if I go back to caveman times, I'll yeah. be charming enough to be able to groom a cave girl. It's so gross. Just a bunch of incels inventing time travel so they can go back through time with matches and wheels and shit like that. I feel like that's an actually a more interesting story. A bunch of incels come up with time travel so they can go back to the time that they actually want to be in. It's it's a bit don't worry baby or whatever it's called. But Oh, that's a great idea, but they go back, but then they just get absolutely savaged by these kind yeah. of like survivalist <laughs> cave women who are just fucking every day is about survival. They they'll beat your ass. They don't don't fuck off with your matches and your wheel and your shiny beads. They'll fucking rip your throat out. That's a great premise for a film. A whole bunch of incels invent time travel to go back to a time where they think they'll dominate and then get their throats ripped out by cave yeah. women. Yeah. We call it incel on earth. <laughs> Um, all right, number seventeen. Mm-hmm. Well, he's an Eng- he's a British writer. Will this is probably one of Britain's British pop culture. The, who read this wrote this article? This next film is probably one of the most famous British pop culture icons in modern cinematic oh, uh, history. Mr. Bean. Does Mr. Bean time travel at some stage? In his I know car? there's a Mr. Bean time travel film. Okay. <laughs> Although it would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I could just see him fumbling not around in other times. You know yeah, I mean? his shirt getting caught in his fly when he's meeting Adolf Hitler or something. Actually, again, that's not a bad pitch. I reckon we could pitch a Mr. Bean time travel movie. Mr. Where he just goes around and slaps sticks with dictators from history. <laughs> um, okay. Is it um, – are we talking – uh, you say a British icon, James Bond. There's never been time traveling James What's Bond. What's the comedy James Bond? The comedy? Oh, so this is a comedy? Uh, uh, Probably the most annoying annoying catchphrase of the late 90s. Um, Okay, he says, Weird to think that Austin Powers was originally a fish-out-of-water comedy in which the promiscuous titular character had to navigate the then uptight world of the 1990s that all fell apart for the sequel where Powers was sent back to the 60s to shout out his catchphrase at people who actually appreciated them. That makes it a time travel movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he moved once through time, or like he moved back and then he comes back to the present. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of right. Well, both ways, it, right? Is it the original one? He's like how, he gets frozen, ha- in frozen time. in time. So that's still Is demolition time. man time travel. I mean, I think if you're frozen in time and then you wake up in a like nobody says how you have to travel through time. Do you okay. know what I mean? Like sometimes you're walking into like then a- Boyhood yeah. is a time travel film. He just fucking gets older. You, no one says how you have to travel. Yeah, but 
the the difference would be that in boyhood he didn't miss anything. Like even though yeah. we don't see it, okay. it's not like there was time. a period of time where there was time skipped and then he woke up in a different time. Whereas in Austin Powers. So it's like basically being in your 20s at a party where like it's 4 a.m. and you just wake up and suddenly yeah, it's fucking 6 p.m. on Sunday night. You're just like, yeah. I don't really know what happened, but I've time traveled to Sunday night. <laughs> I somehow got on my couch at 6 o'clock on a Sunday night. Well, I think the implication though also with Austin Powers is that he hasn't aged in that time. So he's travelled yes. through time, but he hasn't personally aged in that same – because we all travel through time in the sense that we get older. And, yes, in the boyhood sense, we are travelling through time. But what we're talking about here is if someone is frozen and then wakes up in another time, I consider that to be time travel for them yeah. at the very least. That's just yeah. – that's economy class time travel. That's not your fancy yeah. up the front – you know, walk into a blue That's police box and turn up in another place. in a rocket and coming no. back in time as But it's past, still but time travel. The same age. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, the butterfly effect. Okay. Um, God, this film. In summary, Ashton Kutcher plays a man who experiences blackouts only to learn some years later that he can travel back in time and inhabit his younger self's mind during the blackouts. But in doing so, he unleashes a world of unintended consequences mm-hmm. He becomes a murderer and loses limbs. He, uh, seek out the director's cut if you can because it ends with Kutcher's character deliberately strangling himself in the womb with his umbilical cord. No, really. Yeah, I have vague memories of this movie. I think I liked it, but I, not enough for it to rank even in my top 20. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe I wouldn't be able to think it 20 times. I don't. But I wouldn't immediately go to Butterfly Effect. I don't think I've ever seen it. But based on that premise, I quite like that premise. That seems like yeah. quite interesting. I remember it being good and clever. You hate Ashton Kutcher, though, right? Do you still hate Ashton Kutcher? I don't love him. Um, And I I like the idea of watching a director's cut where a baby intentionally (laughs) murders itself in the womb, though. I feel like I can't believe that Hollywood didn't think that was something that should make the theatrical cut. If that happens in a state in America where they've just outlawed abortion, like if you killed yourself as a baby, Mm -hmm. Can they go back in time and arrest your fetus? You was a fetus. <laughs> well, they're like if it, life, it's a mixture of Minority Report and Butterfly. If effect. life begins at uh, conception, then technically, like yeah, in, as in that's what these people believe that life begins at conception. Yeah. Therefore, the fetus is responsible for the murder of the fetus. So yeah, it's a movie about a time cop who goes back to arrest the fetus preemptively before it can murder itself in in utero. I mean, it's weird. It's a weird kind of concept too, because the idea of him projecting his current present day consciousness into versions of himself from the past. So he's in his current adult intelligence and consciousness in a fetus's body, right? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> like, just think about that for a second. I mean, it's completely dark. Yeah. Like, don't you think there'd be the period of adjustment to like, shit, how am I, I'm not breathing. How am I getting oxygen? And then would a fetus even have the strength to grab the umbilical cord? Like, they, it takes ages for a, bus, a, a, a like their muscles to kind of develop any kind I'd of resistance or strength. I'd imagine if you had to in that scenario. Firstly, like, I'm not saying that he immediately arrived there 
and then just immediately strangled oh, he, he himself. You reckon he worked out for a few weeks? <laughs> he got there and just started <laughs> doing curls. I'm going to have to get a little bit more nutrition. I got to be honest with you. I got to do some workouts. Mum's like, he's really kicking down there. He's working out, he's trying to get yeah. his strength together to hang himself in utero. Like, it's pretty yeah. dark. It'd be great to look horrible. at the ultrasound and you just see a fetus yeah. doing push-ups at the bottom of the wall. <laughs> just like in, it's basically like in in, in um, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Just yeah. down there, just <laughs> trying to strengthen it. Um, Okie dokie. This is a film that's uh, fairly recent, came out only a couple of years ago, starring um, Chris Pratt. I haven't seen it. You may have. Uh, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Um, it's, you... it's got a name like, I don't know, maybe it's based on like young adult fiction, but it has a title that sounds like young adult fiction. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Think like Tomorrow yeah, When the got, War Begins. Yeah, it's got Tomorrow in the title, hasn't it? I it remember does. it's something tomorrow, the tomorrow. To, to, the tomorrow, tomorrow? The tomorrow, tomorrow, today, tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, Julian, tomorrow. War. The tomorrow. The tomorrow war. Yeah, I do remember that coming out. I don't. I don't think I saw it, but I do remember it coming out. Okay, I'm keen to hear what the plot is for this Mm. because I saw the trailers and it did not grab me at all. Wherein Chris Pratt is drafted into a war that takes place 26 years later Mm -hmm. because the invading aliens have already killed all the soldiers who are alive at the time. That's right. Uh, Okay, it's a great premise for a film. We all pay the price for the actions of other generations. All right, if that's the metaphor, right. Yeah, it is. You know what? I did watch this. That's a metaphor. It's such a <laughs> bad guy's a metaphor. It, it, it is one of those things that it looks weird, this film, is right. my memory. Okay. Because the premise- as weird as my mustache. It does. It's got a bit of that about it. It's got a bit of that, you know, like when sometimes a film comes out on streaming and you're like, this almost looks like a real movie, but there's just something about the way they shot it or made it or the gloss of it or the, like, it was trying to deal with a concept that was bigger than the glossy way that they actually shot the movie and made the movie because I remember watching it and thinking, oh, yeah, this is kind of an interesting idea and an interesting premise, but there was just something about it that never quite worked for me. Uh, He says, it's let down by a truly confusing ending. Admit it, you forgot this film even existed. Yes, that's clearly. You all forgot to even watch it, (laughs) even though it cost $200 to make and only came out 18 months ago. Wow. You could tell that wow. they'd spent a lot of money on it. There was a lot of unnecessary battle scenes that didn't actually add to the movie being good or bad. Uh, this is a film that I think we've discussed in a previous list, The Time Travelers from 1964. It's a movie made on the cheap with genuinely terrible effects. The Time Travelers is about a group of scientists who travel to the future, fight some mutants, and then return. What sets it apart, though, is its crazed ending. The film ends with the scientists venturing into the distant future, whereupon the film plays through again faster and faster until it cuts away to a still of the galaxy. Are they trapped in a loop? Is free will an illusion? Did the producers run out of money? We may never know. Um, Anything to say on that? Well, uh, yeah, we are probably trapped in a loop and free will probably is an illusion. So I guess they're good concepts to be playing with. But again, I've never seen it. I've got – I can't comment. (laughs) (laughs) No comment from me either. Uh, There's another film you may have seen that I have not. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, another kind of director-streaming film. Yeah, last year. The Adam something. That's it. The The Adam Adam, The Adam Spencer. The Adam Spencer. The Adam Adam Project. Project. Uh, Uh, I did say it's, it's better than you would think it would be. 
Okay. In which a young boy's life is turned upside down when he's visited by an older version of himself from the future. Okay, that's right. I have seen the trailer. The good news, he grows up to be a fighter pilot. The bad news, he also grows up to have all the cadences and surface level snarkery patter of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> which is a very Ryan Reynolds-esque thing to say. You've really slammed yeah. Ryan Reynolds with a Ryan Reynolds-esque slam. It's funny, isn't it? He's, he divides a lot of people. Like, I, I, I get it, but it's like- he is what he is, man. Like he's never marketed himself as any anyone other than he than he is. Like he's that snarky kind of smart arsey, good looking dude who happens to run an advertising agency. Did you know that? An advertising agency, uh, like a gin or tequila gin business. Company. He owns a football club. <laughs> like he's- him and The Rock doing those like Red Notice movies oh. or whatever. Like, do you reckon they fucking shared some intel? Like, they are basically on the same train, which is like, how do I maximise this profile? They're superstar the- brand business people. Like, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, of course, like, Ryan Reynolds realised that there is a Ryan Reynolds brand and he never goes too far away from what that Ryan Reynolds brand is. Yeah. And why would he? Because- He's so good at it. He was in, remember he was like Van Wilder party liaison or whatever the fuck. Two pizzas and a girl and a party place. That was actually was quite good, that show. Two two guys, oh, a girl and a pizza place. The girl from it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I liked that show quite a lot. It was better right. than people thought. And at the time he had, he was like the poor man's Matthew Perry. Like, yes, you know, he, right. he was like that the same sort of- yeah, and that same sort of like snarky, you know, a bit cynical. Sarcastic. Yeah, like good looking but not like perfectly good looking. And then Ryan Reynolds managed to turn around like that part of his career, the Green Lantern part of his career, like into now he is one of the most successful entertainers in the entire world. Like, Yeah, he was – you could see him. He was on that track in Hollywood that they did with Jai Courtney, Sam Worthington. Yeah. Where it's like we're going to give you lots of shots. Just f- tell us what vehicle's going to work for you. And he did Green Lantern and RAPD, and he kept like just fucking sucking, having, being this film that sucked, and then just happened to have this Deadpool thing which suited him like a glove. And that's what everyone's kind of looking for these days, isn't it? Just that franchise that's going to fucking get you on the map and then trigger all these other kind of deals and opportunities. And But also he just seems to be one of those people who's turned like he's be- like all these businesses are fun, it seems. Like, it doesn't feel like he's doing anything because, hey, this is like a great – he hasn't opened like a franchise of, you know, Burger Kings or whatever because like some, you know, financial investor told him that that would be like a good thing to put his money yeah, into. It doesn't seem cynical. No. Like other, I mean, I'm sure he has some cynical investments. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure there is some- as well. But the idea is like I like drinking like tequila or whatever. I'm going to have a tequila company. Like I, I think yeah. ads are crap. I'm going to make like good advertising and use all my mates in it. Like I, yeah. I'd like to own a football team. I'm going to buy a football team with my mate and make a TV <laughs> show about it. Like it all feels like fun stuff. You know, he's one of those people who's managed to monetize, like, having a fun life and has an incredibly beautiful wife and seems really happy. Like, I mean, I'm sure there must be- Are you be- on the payroll of fucking Ryan Reynolds? This has been almost five minutes now of you just boosting Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he Is doesn't- this part of the advert- Am I in an ad? Am I in an ad for an, a Ryan Today's Reynolds? Today's episode like- of TOEFOP proudly brought to you by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> in fact, we've had to bury this plug in the middle of this list just to- let's, yeah, We'll bugger on about a, you know, a few other movies, but let's really lean into the <laughs> really Ryan Reynolds stuff. On the Ryan Reynolds no, I, because I think that he's, it's a great example of someone who isn't the funniest guy in the world, isn't the hands, most handsome guy in the world, isn't the most talented guy in the world, but has a great awareness of like you know how much talent he has in each of those areas and he's managed to just – like I'm not even a big fan of 
anything in particular that he does. I like the Daredevil films, but it's not like uh, sorry the uh, Deadpool uh, Deadpool films, but it's not like I'm going out of my way to go. Oh, great, the new Ryan Reynolds film. Like I hated the one with the Rock. I thought it was like unwatchable. The Adam mm. Project though actually is it's much, it's better than you would think it would be. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an issue with him. Gemma has one of those things. It's his face. Mm. He, she thinks his eyes are too it's close together. He's got a slightly together. weird face. His yeah, eyes are I mean, a, a bit close does. together. Uh, yeah. But even she has sort of come around to him. And it's like kind of like you. It's more the sum, he's the sum of his parts as opposed to any one thing. He knew his limitations, but he knew what people liked. And now he's living a great life. Here's to you, Ryan Reynolds. I'm on the payroll too, yeah. apparently. <laughs> I mean, his face looks like it was generated by AI. Like if you said yeah. chatbot GPT come up with a movie star, it would come up with something that you like. It, it, his face has a little of its own uncanny, uncanny valley. <laughs> and despite that, he still managed to be very successful. Okay, this next film is a film that I, uh, I talked up, I think, in the last list or one of the lists that we've done. And I said Comedy I thought it was or drama? Comedy. Uh, hot and tub or time I, machine. <laughs> yes. I thought it was underrated yeah. and you said it was adequately rated. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because I actually saw it was on like one of my streaming services about two weeks ago. And so I rewatched yes. it and I was really excited to rewatch it because I'm like, I love this film. Like, it's so funny. It has not aged well. <laughs> I, was, I was actually quite surprised by how much of it was not as funny as I – like. I, I mean, I watched it a lot of times when it first came out, but it's dated really, really badly. Like so much of the kind of like the homophobic humor and stuff is just like, oh boy. Like it's it's kind of almost like some of those early Judd Apatow, like how, you know, your gay kind of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, boy, geez, times have changed quickly. Yeah. Haven't they? Quickly like, really and those things out. really don't age well, do they? There's a whole bunch of things no. that you're like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. You called him a what now? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but I still do. My favorite scene is uh, John Cusack taking magic mushrooms and writing breakup poetry. <laughs> it's like a 45 year old man. Still a great scene. Um, he's ranked at number 12. Okay. He says it's so seminal that it was name checked in the Avengers Endgame, mm -hmm. a flat out comedy that primarily, primarily exists to allow a bunch of middle aged men to act like teenagers. Hot Tub Time Machine is a film about in, an enchanted jacuzzi that sends people back to the 1980s, possibly a bit too bawdy for its own good. I think that is <laughs> the most way British. Of, that's his way of saying what you've just said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a hint of a, of a message of the uh, about the unreliability of nostalgia here. Okay. Um, did we talk about this? Like, it was something I wanted to talk to you about, but I can't remember. If you had to sort of go back in time to say you could own it was a one-way ticket and you went back to uh, six months before COVID first outbreak, so 20, middle of 2019, do you think you would do or could affect society in any way that would have changed the outcome? Or was that pandemic just impossible to derail? Could you have protected yourself any better? Could you have done anything to make society safer? I mean, I def you, definitely Lansing. could have protected myself better. There's no doubt about that. Um, but do you think they, do you think like, as in uh, protect yourself better? How? Like you'd still have to wait for a vaccine to be developed. I know, but I could have stocked up on earlier. masks. I could have okay. put some money Bought away. shares in a mask. <laughs> exactly. I definitely could have put some money away. Like, you know, I could have <laughs> planned a little bit better for, you know, where I would have been and how I was going to pay for things, all those sort of things. But could you get the word out to the, that's the more interesting question. Like if I had that information, like, you know, somebody said to me, there's going to be this global pandemic. It's happening in six months from now. 
it's going to fuck up everything for a couple of years. If I started just saying that, like if I came on the podcast and said, look, guys, you've just got to believe me. This is what's happening. <laughs> After 12 years of bullshit, now you've got to believe me. Right. I, so I think that I probably just would have lost – I'd be one of those people essentially I guess who has like a YouTube channel or something where I'd be incredibly – that everyone would just be like, I don't know what's happened to Will Anderson but all he does is rave about this disease that's coming in six months from now. So I guess in six months from then when the disease actually struck – I would either be one of those people who rode the wave of, oh, he knew this beforehand. Maybe I can give information that would help from then on. Like I don't think you'd be able to get any information out previous. People just wouldn't believe you. But if it started to happen, if you said there's going to be these things, that, yeah, there's going to be a disease that you're going to be hearing about out of China. It's going to spread all over the world. This is how it's all going to play out. Then – I think after a while, when your predictions started to come true, maybe you would build some credibility, like you know. But I think that there'd be a period how, of time. But how would you? Yeah. How would you? So would you, would you be doing it on this? Because because basically, there's no issue with you being able to predict the outcomes. But it's it's getting your predictions to a level of influence of people like, hey, there's this dude in Australia who's correctly predicted the first three months or the first month of this outbreak. So are you doing it on? Like, well, not this podcast. Philosophy gets better numbers. Would you have to you dust off philosophy and get that cranking again? No, no, I, th I think – Are you stopping Gruen transfer or are you getting your teams to request like an interview on the 730 report? Well, I imagine that at this point I've been sacked from all my major jobs because everybody thinks that I'm an absolute madman who's <laughs> like spouting nonsense about this disease that's coming in six months. Then when I'm starting to get these things right, obviously the job offers come back. Everybody like wants to talk to the person who seems to know what's going on. But then I think there's the backlash. Like how does how do how do I know this information? Like, you know, what am I mm. in on this? Am I part of this? Am I part of the grand conspiracy? I think there's got to be that narrative that starts to happen if you are too accurately predicting what is happening. A hundred percent. Imagine what kind of tizzy like Sky News after dark would be in now when Rebel News that fucking you know, Chardonnay sipping limousine liberal Will Anderson is calling for fucking lockdowns and mask wearing. Like this is before anything's ever like you are a commie yeah. <laughs> like, that is it that is fucking we knew it he wants to we always, we knew always knew he wants to lock us all up he wants us to have equal amounts yeah. of things this is communism I mean, taking over people say that backed by data and evidence and they get called fucking communists imagine how you would have been labeled yes you'd be the pete evans you'd be the inverse pete evans well i think that that's exactly what you would be early on it's only when some of these things start to come true that it gives you any credibility. But I think that for that period of six months, yeah. Like, so imagine I've just been transported back in time. So I know this. I've lived it. I know how it all sort of goes down. I would try to help, but how would you help? Like, how, yes. how would you help? Like, I mean – it's I do so have big. access to media and I do think that I could get the word out, but I think that mostly it would be dismissed as – because if six months before COVID somebody told you that, oh, by the way, look, you know, I know 2019 has been a bit of a challenging year, but, you know, enjoy what you're doing at the moment because like come the end of this year you're going to be like – the entire world's going to be locked down for two years. You just – you would think that they were – it would sound like what conspiracy theory people say now. 
Well, you know, I've got a friend who is an epidemiologist and was part of the response, the Victorian um, response team. <laughs> so, you know, I'm clearly uh, compromised and a communist as well. Uh, all hail dictator Dan, second only to Ryan Reynolds in my estimation. <laughs> and I was sort of saying to him, uh, we caught up a couple of months ago and I was like, you know, was this entirely unexpected? And he said, well, no, like, you know, you've SARS and, you know, we've seen other pandemics play out to various degrees. So he said, you know, the, the scale of it and how, knew it was and stuff, you know, that was something that was a, uh, you know, was something that to stay on top of. But he said, you know, it, it was relatively like they, people were prepared. Like there was a sort of system in place, like, you know, the, how quickly they came up with the vaccines, all that kind of stuff. Are you, so are you, saying, you, get to are someone, you saying it was some sort of pandemic? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you could go to someone like him mm. and somehow – and use that kind of knowledge yes. that, well, look, you know, is it entirely unlikely? Um, you know, maybe you could do your own research. I guess, but, that, you know, yeah, uh, but I guess that accessing the scientific community would be my first step. Because oh, so, we always listen to the scientists, Will. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the one thing I know about us. I'm not society. saying the scientists would necessarily get it out there, but I need something to back up the, like, you know, because no one's yeah. going to listen to me. If I'm just saying these things, you need to be able to go, like you said, to your friend who's an epidemiologist. So I guess I'm calling Adam Spencer and saying, what scientist do you know? And then I'm calling Dr. Carl mm. and I'm like, put me in touch with some people oh, yeah. because I have this information. I need some scientific data that will make this sound more credible when I present this to people. And therefore, it's not just such a – because how am I justifying it, do you think? Am I saying that I have travelled back in time or am I keeping that to myself <laughs> So that I, I think because that dismisses my credibility. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there is someone in order to win over, like an Adam or a Dr. Carl or whoever. You have to start yeah. predicting, like you know, sporting outcomes or whatever, mm. just to kind of prove to get them on side. Because that would be like, why are you even thinking about this? What do you even know about epidemiology? Wuhan, where's that? Like, you would it, it, just for expediency's sake, you'd say, hey, you know. Um, uh, Richmond win this grand final by blah 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 points, and then it happens. Then you know, then you then you start going, "Why the fuck am I trying to save the world? Right. I, could <laughs> yeah. I, I could have placed a bet, and <laughs> I was going to build a bunker in New Zealand." So I guess what you're like the two questions you asked was, "Do I think I could do anything for the world?" versus "Do do I think I could do anything for myself?" Absolutely, you could do stuff for yourself. Like you said, you could use your knowledge of the future to get an incredible amount of money in a short amount of time and go and protect yourself and live in a bunker in New Zealand. Of course you could do that. But the broader question is, could you warn the world about what is coming? And I think that at the moment, if you look at climate change, the fact that there are scientists, you know, the IPCC, the you know, the international scientists all coming together to give us this warning about impending doom that they have scientific evidence behind and the way that as a planet we are completely fucking ignoring them and just getting on with things means that probably yeah. Ando, the comedy commando, <laughs> claiming that he's troubled from the future would not be convincing either. All that video that's been coming out of um, people in LA, like the snowstorms, and it's snowing in Pasadena and all that kind of stuff, it just makes me think of that scene in Titanic you know, where they've just after they've hit the iceberg and everyone's kind of still unsure about what's going on. And there's just a shot from the bird's nest to the deck of the Titanic and you see a bunch of passengers like laughing and kicking around a block of ice. Oh, isn't this fun? <laughs> it's like to me, that just perfectly encapsulates 
where we are right now. It's like, oh, it's snowing in Pasadena. It's uh, we've got it's twenty five degrees in London in the middle of October. So, this is great, so funny, isn't it, guys? How the weather is nothing <laughs> like how it should be. This is really fun. I'm sure this is not a portent <laughs> of anything terrible that's coming in the future. So, yeah, I think that it would be hard for me to convince anyone. All right. Well, mm. I think we should just put a pin in this okay. and save the second half of this list. Um, well, the last eleven films for uh, next okay, episode sounds profile good. because uh, I know we're on a bit of a schedule. Yes. Um, but you're doing shows at the moment. This will be out in two weeks' time. So, uh, so I will be done in Adelaide by the time that people hear this. So thank you to everybody who came out and helped me work out what the new show uh, is in Adelaide. Um, and uh, so by the time people hear this, I reckon you still might be able to get tickets to the Hobart show. Haven't been to Hobart for a very long time. There might be a couple of tickets left by the time you hear this. I am also going to Canberra then the Melbourne International Comedy Festival two weeks only 12 shows so uh, get in quick if you want to come and there's a bet that's almost about half sold out already so if you want to come and see me in Melbourne I would say uh, don't wait until I get down there get a ticket beforehand and then Sydney Brisbane Perth Townsville I think and uh, hopefully some more dates will be added as well but I think they are all the ones that are currently on sale I have a book it is called I am not fine thanks if you would like a signed copy uh, they're mostly available at the shows I, I tend to sign some copies and they're available to, for purchase at the shows as well if you want to check those out and of course go to tofot.com to check out our other great podcast uh, two guys one cup summer series uh, my club is happening at the moment um, chatting to lots of famous Aussies about the teams they support we had uh, Rowan Connolly firebrand left leaning Dan loving <laughs> firebrand Rowan Connolly talking about the Bombers a couple of weeks ago uh, Scott Major talking about his beloved Bulldogs and then next week Josh McConville talking about the Suns yes I found a Sun supporter in the wild if you want to support the show you can patreon.com um, forward slash tofop we put up uh, ad-free versions of the show. We also put up full videos and uh, quantum cop is coming. <laughs> Anyone who follows me on social media would see that I've posted two panels uh, that James Fosdyke sent me. Trust me, there is a splash page on this, which is his, it's his masterpiece. You've never seen so many dicks in one uh, panel in your life. Uh, and also don't forget to check out highlights on uh, YouTube. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at tofop. I think we're about to start a TikTok account too. Don't worry, Will. We don't have to do any dances. We're just going to put those short highlight videos on TikTok because they're perfectly designed for that kind of audience. So I think if you want to find us there, we are TikTok on TikTok. I believe we should have an account by the time this episode comes out. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Yeah.